it's good seeing a father-daughter on the same praise team. That's pretty good. Gonzalez is awesome. Well, it's good to be back into the Lord's house and the sanctuary. We do welcome you. So glad that you are here today. Many of you are watching us still online. We understand that. Probably about a thousand people will watch us today for a minimum of 30 minutes online. I think that's really cool, but I'm grateful to God for you that are here in person spread throughout this massive sanctuary. Y'all are everywhere. We may have a couple of people up in the, in the rafters up there that I can't see, but we're delighted that you're here. If you're a guest today, let us welcome you. I know that this is an odd time pandemic, you know, I almost said global flood, but at least a catastrophic flood that happened in our sanctuary. But guests, just know we are thrilled. My wife, Ashley, here on the front row, she and I will be in the coffee shop in a few minutes uh, after the service. We'd love to meet you, give you a gift, just to welcome you personally uh, to Great Hills Baptist Church. Pastor Chester, Miss Barbara, I've thought about you guys a lot over the last few weeks. It's really good to see you guys and healthy and here. That is awesome. We welcome you. I'm glad you're here. Man. I think my grandbabies are in the house today. Is that right? Did I hear? I hadn't heard them. Where, where are they? Over there. Oh, over there. There they are. Hey, Hannah, Jeffrey, God bless y'all. And uh, baby Claire, baby Riley's in the house. If, they, if you hear them, it's okay. Uh, they, uh, it's good. Glad y'all are, are in here. Well, let's go back to the Word of God. I tell you what, it's a great place to be, right? In the Scriptures, studying the the Bible, we're in the book of Acts. I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 14. Uh, we'll look at verses 1 through 7. Two weeks from today will be Easter Sunday. Can you believe that already? And the Friday before that, April the 2nd, we will have a Good Friday service right here in the service, uh, uh, in the sanctuary. We'll observe the Lord's Supper. Uh, at 6 o'clock, we'll have a great time of praise and worship. And then, in two days later... Uh, we will uh, worship the Lord here at 11 o'clock. And so Easter Sunday is going to be a great day. I want to preach a message on John 3:16. Raise your hand if you ever heard of John 3:16. I'm just curious. Okay, you have. And so we're going to preach it and invite your, your friends, invite your, your friends and neighbors that don't have a relationship with the Lord, especially as we're going to share the message of hope with them, the message of peace. And so we have been studying the book of Acts now forever, and it's been fun. Uh, but we are about two years in, and we're, we're about halfway through. And today will be a prime example, church. We're only going to get through about verse 3 or 4, though I'm going to read all seven verses because it's in the same context. And the title of my message today is Portraits of Boldness. And we're going to look at two very bold men of God. Their names are Paul and Barnabas. It's really interesting. All throughout church history and even to this day, God always raises up men and women who have, it seems like they have titanium for a backbone. They are just absolutely strong in the Lord and they serve as examples for you and me, maybe when we falter or when we're weak or when we need somebody, you know, to look up to and say, well, look at that woman of God. If she can persevere through what she's going through, then, you know, maybe I can as well. Or look at him. He's standing strong in the face of persecution or in the face of extreme hostility and difficulty or maybe even ill health. But look at him, stand strong for the Lord. You know, maybe, just maybe I can do the same thing. And I think that's why we have so many amazing stories in the Bible, not just for our entertainment so that we can read or, or just for mere intellectualism so that we can understand. No, I believe God has gone through great measures to preserve his word for inspiration. 
so that you and I could be inspired. We can read these stories and go, oh God, thank you that you are the God of angel armies. You are the God that's always by my side. You are the God who acted then, and I believe that you're the God that can act on my behalf today. Can you say amen to that? Amen. The God that acted then can act today uh, on my behalf. I love biographies. I love autobiographies. Just finished Ming Wang's biography a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a PhD from MIT, a medical degree from, uh, not Oxford, but Harvard, a brilliant um, ophthalmologist surgeon. He will be our guest speaker May the 2nd. In just a few weeks, he will share with us on how faith and science can get along together. He's a brilliant surgeon, loves, loves Jesus. He's going to share a little bit how he came to faith in Christ through the witness of a Harvard professor. Doesn't that not sound interesting? I just finished up his book. It's called From Darkness to Sight. Highly recommend it. It's a fascinating read. And as I was reading his story, I was just getting courage and I was getting motivated and I was having this spirit of perseverance well up within me. And that's what happens when you read about great women of God. Great men of God, people who inspire us, just like Acts 14, now it happened. It happened in Iconium that they went together, that they would be Paul and Barnabas, the missionary dynamic duo, all right? They went together to the synagogue that would be the meeting place of the Jews, and they spoke. It'd be pretty odd if the missionaries showed up on mission and they didn't say anything. And it's as equally as odd when you and I show up and don't speak to our neighbors and don't speak to our colleagues or speak to our friends about the good news of the gospel. So they spoke in the synagogue and a great multitude of people, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. So they had a, a mixed audience. They had Greeks who had converted to Judaism. That would be either through proselytism, the proselytes, or it may just be the God-fearers. But there was a congregation that day in Iconium in AD 46. The Apostle Paul is moving through Turkey. It's modern-day Turkey. He and Barnabas are on fire for Christ. You can't shut them up. You try to shut them up. You, you hit them with stones. You beat them. They just like the Energizer Bunny. They just keep on going. They just keep on preaching the gospel. And I don't know what that does for you, my dear friend, but that inspires me. It motivates me. It encourages me that no matter what, I can keep on going because I've seen God come through time and time again. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and, now watch this word, kakuo, kakuo poisoned, embittered their minds against the brethren. Whenever God's at work, somebody else is at work, right? Therefore, they left as quickly as they could. They were so afraid and just said, we are leaving this place immediately. Is that what your Bible says? That's not what my Bible says. That's what we think the Bible might say. Man, they got out of there as quickly as they could, but no, it says that they stayed there for how long, church? Do y'all see it? How long is a long time? <laughs> the Greek word for long is long. I don't know how long they were, but I get the idea that when the persecution came, they just stayed they just stayed when it was hot in the kitchen. They just stayed when people were talking bad against them. They just stayed when the rocks started flying. They just said, look, our God is worthy of us staying. I'm praying for some staying power today. So they stayed for a long time. They spoke boldly 
in the Lord, in the Lord, who the Lord was bearing witness to the word of his grace. He granted them signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But conjunction, Luke, he loves this conjunction. However, he's, he's, he's signaling us, the reader, something's about to happen. But the multitude of the city was divided. Part of the city sided with the Jews and part of the city sided with the apostles. That would be Paul and Barnabas in this context. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and to stone them, they became aware of it and then they left. They fled to Lystra and to Derbe, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding region. And they were there preaching the gospel. Let me, let me bring you up to speed what's going on. The church at Antioch of Syria, 300 miles due north of Jerusalem, is a church planted through the persecution of Stephen. When the church was persecuted in Acts chapter uh, 6 and 7, they fled all over the known world. And the, many of them landed in Antioch. And it was the first church to have Jews and Gentiles within the same congregation. They did away with all the racial barriers. They did away with all the division, the socioeconomic uh, parting that they had. And they said, look, we are all together in Christ. And so that church was so strong. Remember the Antioch effect, Acts chapter 13, that they banded together and they said, look, we need to go on mission. That's a healthy church. Whenever a church says, look, we need to go reach the world with the gospel, that is a great church. That's a church you want to be a part of that says, look, we've got to send our best. And they did. They sent Paul and Barnabas. John Mark went along with them. They landed in Cyprus. Remember that a few weeks ago? It feels like a few years ago. They landed in Cyprus. They preached the gospel from east to west. The governor, the governor of the island came to faith in Christ, but it was not without a fight. Remember the magician, the sorcerer was there, and he was trying his best to dissuade uh, the governor from coming to faith in Christ. After they planted their lives and mission there, they went on up due north. You can look at it on a map, and they landed in Antioch of Pisidia, which is modern-day Turkey, which is today 99-point-something percent what religion? Islam, Muslim. In Paul's day, it wasn't like that. I mean, they are planning a, a gospel witness and the church is going, well, you saw it. They're in Turkey then in Acts chapter 14. The gospel is just spreading. And so what will happen is they're going to leave Iconium. They're going to go to Lystra and Derby. Paul's going to be pelted with stones, almost killed. They're going to circle back around through the churches that they planted, head back to Antioch, they're in Syria and they will celebrate. So that's what's happening in this text. It's around AD 50. There's a missionary band going forward. The gospel is spreading throughout the... Aren't you glad that the gospel spread out of Jerusalem and it made its way to Austin, Texas? Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I, I think that's marvelous. I think that's fantastic that the gospel was not cocooned. It was not imprisoned. It wasn't shackled, but it burst forth. And you and I are here today because somebody loved Jesus so much that they were willing to speak the good news uh, of the gospel. Well, we've read the story. I, um, I'm looking forward to just walking through this with you again. There's seven verses. We'll probably make it to about verse four or five. As I was reading this text, I was reminded again of Teddy Roosevelt's famous speech in Paris in 1910. I've read all three volumes of Edmund Morris's um, trilogy, 
biography on Theodore Roosevelt. And remember this in 1910 in Paris, he said, it's not the critic who ever counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul. I don't know who you're thinking about. The man who's in the arena, his face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Keep reading what happens to Paul, how he's stoned almost to death. He strives valiantly. He errs and yet comes up short again and again. Who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, Teddy Roosevelt says, and spends himself in a worthy cause. Who at best knows achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. I can't read that and not just be inspired and, and motivated to attempt great things for God, as William Carey said, and then expect great things from God. So number one, I'm gonna walk with you through the text today. Number one is what I've called strategy. Um, these courageous characters, these portraits of boldness, they had a plan. They did not just go into a city and Paul look at Barnabas and say, what do you think we ought to do? And Barnabas looks at Paul and says, I don't know. What do you think we ought to do? Well, I don't know either. I think we're just here. Should we? No, they had already figured that out. Their plan was, their strategy was to find the synagogue, go into the synagogue. They would be invited to preach and then Paul would stand up and he would speak the word of God. That is a strategy. That is a plan, by the way, that still works in our day, in our age, if we, if we believe it, to speak, uh, to show up, uh, to, be on, to be on mission. It's hard for me to put in words and to capture really what is going on here for us today because Paul and Barnabas know that their strategy is bulletproof. I mean, it's going to work, and yet it's going to be very, very costly for them. They know that when they take a stand for Christ, two things are always going to happen. It'll happen to you. Look, if you're bold enough to stand up where you work, if you're bold enough to walk around in your neighborhood and let people know who you are, two things are going to happen. Number one, there's going to be an acceptance. There's going to be a welcoming by the people of God, by the people of God that's going to be saved. God's going to save people. And then number two, there's going to be resistance. And sometimes that resistance can become violent and we can become persecuted for our faith. Does that mean our strategy was at fault? No, it just means we're being faithful to God. And so that's number one is the strategy. Every church, like every family, in business, administration, sports team, military unit, everybody needs a, a plan, a, a strategy. And I don't, know, I, I don't know what it is, but I just as I'm reading this, I'm just... So enamored with Paul. Besides Jesus, the person I want to meet next is this guy. All five foot two, maybe. Bald, hook nose, not very attractive, but full of Jesus. Turn the world upside down. That was his strategy, just to be in love with Jesus and tell everybody that he meets and be willing to suffer. As I was reading this text, I was thinking about, um, I don't know my mind, I don't know what your mind does when you read the Bible, but my mind just gets 
It's just, I just start thinking of things like, that, that mean a lot to me, like uh, D-Day, the Allied forces on D-Day. You're like, well, that was the furthest thing from my mind, Pastor, be honest with you. And I read that text, I had no idea about World War II and D-Day and June the 6th, 1944, but here it is, 6.30 a.m. I still see those videos in my mind. And they, they have those amphibious um, machines, you know, it's like half... Uh, I don't know, ship and half, you know, I don't know how to describe these things, but they come off the big ships and they start making their way to the German-occupied shores of France in Normandy. And this is the part that got me. It was like the burn the ships. It was like, boys, we're sending you out, but we ain't coming to get you. Have you ever thought about that? We're sending you out and then we're leaving because we're going to be under heavy artillery. And so they burn their ships and they go into the shore. And listen to me, church, one of two things were going to happen to those brave men. They were either going to fight and be victorious or they were going to fight and die. But praise God, they went. And because they did, you're sitting where you are today. Isn't that amazing? That's courage. That's Paul to me. He has this mentality. Church at uh, Antioch, you've sent us out. We've burned our bridges. We've burned the ships and, and we're going out. And if we come back, it's only by the grace of God for us to be restored and encouraged and to go back and do it again. Well, Great Hills Baptist Church, we, we have a similar strategy. It's called discipleship or disciple path. And for the last two, three years, we've really been drilling down on disciples who will win people to Jesus and then pour their lives into them. Sounds very biblical. It sounds very Jesus and the 12, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Luke. I know it's very biblical, but we're really trying to, to embrace this strategy, this methodology, if you will, to take people that God saves. Anytime somebody comes to faith in Jesus, that is a miracle, right? It's called the new birth. It, it's called when God brings you, Ephesians 2.1, out of spiritual death into spiritual life. And you're born. You're born again. And you're born again an infant. Has anybody ever been born 30 years of age? Now, that would be quite amazing, wouldn't it? But that ain't going to happen, right? And so you take them out of spiritual death to life to infancy. What comes next? Childhood or adolescence. And then they move on into adulthood eventually, right? Some of you are like, it's taken my boy a lot longer to get there than I thought it would, preacher. But anyhow, he comes out of that into parenting. And it's the, Jim Putman, it's his design for the church. He says, that's the way the church is. We take people out of spiritual darkness into light and they grow out of infancy into childhood and adolescence and the teen years. We don't kill them. We keep them alive and we keep loving on them. And then they come on into a, a adulthood, young adulthood, and then they themselves become parents. That's our strategy at Great Hills, that we could pour into you so that you can go and win your neighbors and your friends to Christ and then you can pour into them. The second thing I want you to look at in the text with me, number two, is the word speak. Now, I know this is very simple, but I, this is how I think. I, I just, there's a word there in verse one. It says, now it happened in Iconium. They went together. And by the way, I don't want to overlook that strategy. They were not lone rangers. Y'all with me? They were together. They were two by two. Jesus sent them out two by two. Why? Because one man can be overpowered, but not by two. And, and a three-chord strand is not easily broken. Amen. The Holy Spirit of God with them. That is a strategy to go out together and to minister in Jesus' name. Go to the synagogue, preach the gospel, make disciples. It's the same thing we're trying to do here today. It is a golden 
strategy of Jesus and the Apostle Paul. And it always involves this word. Here it comes. They went together to the synagogue of the Jews and they spoke. The book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, not the quietness of the committed. If the apostles did not speak, Dr. Roy Fish taught us this in seminary. If the apostles had the methodology of silence, just let them see our good works. Um, Y'all do that too, right? Well, I don't, I don't want to stand out too much, Pastor. I, I, you know, I just want to, I don't want to rock the boat at, the, at work. You know, people might think I'm a little strange, you know, start talking about Jesus, you know, or in the neighborhood, oh my goodness, you know. I, here's what I want them to do. I want them to see my good works and that way they'll know I'm a Christian. No, they won't. They're going to think you're a Muslim or they're going to think you're a secular humanist. Why? Because those people do good works. They do good deeds. What's the difference? The difference is you speak. You speak, you let them know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You ever heard Francis of Assisi? And this is quoted often and people say, oh, this is such an amazing quote. No, it's not. Preach often and sometimes use words. That's pitiful. I say preach often with your life and with your words. There comes times, ladies and gentlemen, when we have to speak and you're like, oh my word, I'll do anything but say to somebody else that I'm a Christian. Oh, what if they ask me something that I do not know? Can I just go ahead and put you at ease? They will. And here's what you do. You say, I don't know. <laughs> That's a great question. Let, let me ask somebody that knows a little bit more than I do and I'll get, back, I'll get back with you with an answer, but let me tell you what I do know. There was a time in my life when I was like you, I didn't have a relationship with God, but somebody shared Jesus with me like I'm sharing Jesus with you and Jesus Christ came into my life. He saved my soul. He, he, he changed my life so much. I got this peace. I got this peace. I got this joy. And when I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you like some of that? How, how about that? Can we do that? You say, well, yes, we can. If we're walking with the Lord, if we're discipled, right? If we're discipled in maturity. Look, if you never share the gospel with anybody, you're still an infant. Well, thank you, Brother Danny. I waited four weeks to come to church to tell me, you tell me that I'm just a baby in the Lord. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Move out of infancy into childhood, adolescence. Look, some of you have been walking with the Lord 30, 40, 50 years. You need to be way over here parenting. <laughs> you need to be making disciples and sharing with people. Say, look, come with me. Watch me. Here's how you do this. If you're not in discipleship with somebody, come on, friend. Don't, don't be mad at me. Don't, don't get too angry with me. But if you're not discipling somebody and you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you're not near as spiritual as you think you are. And all God's people said, oh my, oh goodness. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm interested in Great Hills Baptist Church being a, I mean, a lean, mean fighting machine for Jesus. Agile, hostile, and mobile with the gospel. And we don't take, you know, we don't send people to fight wars who are infants. We're not gonna send Claire and Riley here, Claire, take this nine millimeter and go out there and go fight for our country or whatever the soldiers using those. What do they use these days? M16s, ARs? They're not gonna do that. They're gonna give that to somebody who's an adult, right? Who can handle that. Speak, speak. Well, what did they speak? You, you, would you ever be interested to know 
In Acts chapter 14, verse 1, when it says, and they spoke to the multitude. Can I tell you exactly what Paul preached? You said, well, you can't do that. Yes, I can. There are people a whole lot smarter than me who have studied this. C.H. Dodd is one of them. It's called the charismatic preaching of the of the Acts of the Apostles. They studied all the sermons and they found these salient features. All the preachers in the book of Acts, they said the same thing. My land, can you come up? No, no, no. I can't come up with anything better than the gospel. Look, you may find a much better preacher than me, but you'll never find a better gospel that this preacher preaches. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes people's lives. And it would go something like this. Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, just like Isaiah of old prophesied. He is the fulfillment of all 400 prophecies. He is the Messiah come, born, read Micah 5, 2, in the little bitty town of Bethlehem, away in a manger. I mean, tucked away in no man's land. And there he came and he grew up and he did wonderful miracles. He he raised people from the dead. He touched lepers. He put people's eyesight back into them. And he did all these amazing things. And for that, they crucified him. He was buried. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. You say, Paul, did he preach that in Iconium? Yes. He preached the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the gospel. It's the only hope that we have. And then he would call them to repent. He would call them to believe, and many would, and many would not. And so he'd go to the next place. And Barnabas was probably saying, Paul, you gonna, you gonna preach the same sermon? He goes, yep. Well, you got anything else? Nope. Yes, this is the gospel. Now, I'm sure he elaborated on it and shared some ethical implications, maybe even quoted some of the Sermon on the Mount, but they spoke in Great Hills, I want you to speak. I want you to speak boldly, speak proudly the name of Jesus and let people know where you go to church. Easter Sunday's coming, invite people. Look, the worst thing in America that can happen is they're gonna tell you, no, leave me alone, I'm not interested. That's okay, at least you have spoken. Number three is salvation. Look what happens in verse one. No wonder preacher's taking you two years. We're still in verse one. My word, are you gonna stay there? Yes. A great multitude believed. Isn't that awesome? The Greeks believed. The, excuse me, the Jews believed. The same gospel. And as many as are appointed unto eternal life, they believe. And they always will believe. Maybe you're listening on your Facebook Live or your Twitter or Vimeo or live stream. Has there been a time in your life when you believed? Can Acts chapter 14, verse 1, be your story of salvation? You heard the gospel. Jesus died for your sins. He arose from the dead for you, okay? Will you believe in him? Will you trust in him? Will you give him your life today? You, you folks that are sitting here in the sanctuary today, has there been a time where you said, Lord, I believe. I trust in you as my Lord and Savior. I've come out of darkness and I have moved into light. You, 
you're an infant. Some of the moment you come into this world, look, I've been there and I've seen it with my own eyes and it is a miraculous thing when a baby comes into this world. That is the most miraculous thing, one of them that I've ever seen in my life. And if I wasn't there, I wouldn't believe it. If y'all weren't here, I wouldn't believe that a person can be born like that or breach. I saw the doctor reach his hand and grab my second child by the Gluteus Maximus, he grabs him, turns him up, and I'm like, good night, there is a creature in there. There's a life in there, and that is a human being. I want to tell you, friends, that's a miracle of God. And it's a miracle of God when you're born again. It is a miracle. You trust in Christ, you believe in him, and he saves you. He puts his Holy Spirit in you. Where are y'all, by the way? I'm just curious. Are you saved? Some of y'all are saved and sour. I, I'm sorry to say, but you got to smile just a little bit. Work with me now. Smile just a little. But are you still an infant? Are you a 50-year-old infant? Well, what's the metric of a mature disciple? That you're leading people to Jesus and you're pouring your life into them. Then to be honest with you, pastor, I'm still an infant. Well, forgive me for not doing a better job in your life. I've been preaching here for 10 and a half years. We, we gotta move. We gotta move you along the lines. I'm just so happy to say all of our staff, all the people that you pay here, your directors and your pastors, we're all discipling people. We're all meeting with them on Zoom. I don't know about y'all, but I'm Zoomed out. I'm bug-eyed out on Zoom. I'm Zoom-Zoomed, all right? But I don't care. I'm gonna keep on doing it until Jesus comes because it works. It's the method. One of the guys I'm discipling, he goes, oh, pastor, I can't wait to tell you. I, I saw two people. They were stranded. They needed a, a battery charger. I noticed that their cable was too short. And I knew that I had a long cable in my trunk. So I pulled over and I charged up their battery. And I was like, man, that's great, Aaron. What else did you do? And he said, I shared the gospel with them. I told both of them about Jesus Christ. I go to Great Hills Baptist Church. He died for you. He arose from the dead and they shot and killed him right there. No, they didn't kill him. They said, thank you, man, for sharing the good news with us. The people that you're discipling, they do that kind of stuff because you're pouring into them. You're holding them accountable. Man, Holy Spirit must be in this because I hadn't planned to say any of that, Okay. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. That's the good news. The bad news is verse 2. You're like, finally. What happens in verse 2? But the unbelieving Jews. I call this stern opposition. Not just opposition. Stern opposition. The unbelieving Jews, that's the key word, right? That's the key adjective. The unbelievers, they stirred up the Gentiles and then they poisoned them. They poisoned their minds against the brethren. How did they do that? Did they slip them some, some kind of plant, you know, some kind of sedative, some kind of something that, that poisoned them? And No. The Greek word is such a fascinating word. It's an onomatopoeia. It's the Greek word kakao, kakuo. You can't say kakuo with a smile. It's just bad. It's the Greek word kakuo. It's translated embittered and poisoned. It's like a hissing snake, right? Hissing snake. It sounds like it is. Kakuo sounds bad. It is bad. They poisoned them. 
They deceived them. They said, oh, that Paul guy, he's an idiot. Don't believe a thing he said. Look at him. He don't look very handsome. He, he's pitiful. Don't, look, don't listen to this Jesus dying on the cross business. We can't verify that. We don't know what happens in Jerusalem. We're all the way over here in Turkey. Don't listen to that hogwash. Just stay the way you are. Don't ruffle the Judaism feathers. We are okay. We don't need that mess. We've got the law. We got Moses and we got one another. We don't need no new religion. So they poison their minds. That's what happened. Just like parents poison the minds of their kids today. Well, third grader dad, my, my buddy's invited me to, to church. We, no, son, goodness gracious. They use a Bill Gates line. Bill Gates said, I, I, I got a lot more better things to do on a Sunday than going to church. That's a true statement. That's what he said. No, honey, we, we're not going down there. You know, we, we might let you go to vacation Bible school if they ever have that again. Amen. They got like 8,000 people there at VBS. We'll let you go to that, but that's it. Okay, that's it. Because we don't believe in that stuff. Well, why not, Daddy? Because it's not true. It's a bunch of fables and myths and it just, it's deceptive, son. You don't need that. Well, guess what? That little boy's mind is turned bitter to the things of God. It's like a university professor. This happens every single fall semester. And at one school, I won't mention in the ACC conference, is anything good come out of the ACC? It's the ACC conference. And this guy's one of the most popular professors in the school. He'll call them out. Anybody here Christians? Oh, he just, when he lays into them. Myth, fable, ridiculous, a bunch of junk. He does that. I don't, I don't have ever read where he does, does that with the Muslims because that's not politically correct, you know. Or he does that with other religions. But if you're a Christian, he zeroes in on you and poisons the minds. Happens all the time. And I think it's a travesty. I think it's so... I think it's so spirit-led. You say, what spirit, Pastor? You, you know what spirit. We should not be surprised if we face opposition and persecution for standing for the gospel. And these brothers, these Paul and Barnabas are speaking boldly. They, they, they're, so, they're so inspirational to me because I think... I really don't claim to be a prophet, but I really think the, the longer we live in America, the closer we get to the return of Christ, it's going to look a lot like this. And it's going to cost us, especially it's going to cost me if I'm going to be true to the scriptures and preach like I've been preaching for 30 years. Well, I continue to do that when I'm censored or when I'm persecuted or when I'm put in prison. And I just pray that I'm faithful. I pray that you're praying for me. We not, may not be meeting in a building. We may be all scattered about in homes. I wonder if that's why God's allowing all this technology and all this ability for us to get into people's homes, maybe. I don't know, but if that happens and I'm still kicking, I'm still alive, I want to be found faithful to the gospel. I want to stand strong for the good news of Jesus Christ, come what may. I am disposable, the gospel is not. And we stand for it. And we're going to be persecuted for it. But look at number four. I love this part. They stayed. They stayed. Don't y'all love that word? Not near as much as you, preacher, but amen. Therefore, they stayed. I'm in verse three. A long time, second time, spoke 
boldly in the Lord, and God was bearing witness. God was confirming their message of grace, the grace gospel. Look, guys, they're giving you a cue if you're interested. You may not even have a shadow of an interest in this. But if you're interested, when Luke uses the word grace in verse 3, he's trying to tell the, the serious reader, look, He's juxtaposing grace gospel over against Judaism law. And Paul is saying, I didn't come to destroy your law. Jesus said that. I've come to fulfill it. But look, there is a better way, Hebrews says. There's a, there's a gospel to be shared. And it's, look, you, you don't have to be all that. All of our forefathers, they demonstrated they, they could never measure up. You can't measure up. Jesus measured up. And if you trust in him as your Lord and Savior, he forgives you of your sin. He empowers you to live the, the godly life and you go to heaven when you die. That's the grace gospel. That's what Paul is preaching. And he stayed on preaching for a long time. <laughs> How long? I don't know. I love people of boldness. They, you know, Ashley and I saw a movie yesterday. I recommend, I can't say this very often, but I actually recommend a movie that we saw I ate a whole box of popcorn, baby. It was so good. It's so good to be back in the movies again, you know? Are you one of those movie-going preachers? Yes, I am. Uh, if it's a decent one, I try to go see it. A cur Courier, is that how you say it? With uh, Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch. Plays the part. I'm not going to ruin it for you. So we're going, no, no, don't tell me, don't tell me. He plays the part of a, of a British spy. And there's a part in that movie during 1960. Ashley came out of the movie. She shook her head. She goes, oh, my word. We just don't know how blessed we are in this country. How close we came to a nuclear war with Russia when they put their warheads in Cuba. And we had a spy in the Soviet Union that saved us. And God used him. And Cumberbatch and this guy became, Cumberbatch, ooh, what's his name? I wrote it down. Greville Wynn. Greville Wynn became good friends with this Soviet spy Man, go see that movie. You talking about courage and you talking about costly. I got so fired up. My patriotic blood began to boil and I was like, man, that is awesome. We need people like that. We need patriots like that for our country, but we need patriots like that for the gospel. They stayed, they spoke, and they experienced the supernatural. Can I say that one more time? No, I'm almost out of time. Some of this is rough on y'all, right? Look, by now, y'all have already had your third cup of coffee. You went to the bathroom four times. You muted me. You came back. There ain't no mute button in church. You're like, I know it's killing me. I got so spoiled not being there. I got so spoiled being at home. I can turn you on, turn you up, turn you off. I don't like it. I can turn you out. Ooh, man, man. Don't turn me out. They stayed, they spoke, and they experienced the supernatural. And people ask. Well, we're the miracles of God today. We're the signs and the wonders corroborating your grace gospel. Where's the God of Paul? Where's the God of Barnabas? And that's just the wrong question. Where are the Pauls of God? Where are the Barnabases of Christ? That is the question. And they stayed. They stayed till as long as God said, okay, you're done. Now go plant somewhere else. And they did. 
Here's how the Apostle Paul was literally described. I discovered this in my research. It's by F.F. Bruce in his commentary. Someone saw Paul. And this is how they described him. This is an eyewitness, a second century document. And they said, well, I saw him. He approached me. A man of small stature with a bald head and crooked legs. But he had a good state of body. His eyes met, his eyebrows met. He had that uni thing, y'all. Paul had the uni eyebrow thing. Unibrow. Paul had a unibrow. He had a bald head, a hook nosed, about five foot, but he was stout. Did y'all catch that? He was a sturdy fella. I don't think it's so much stout here. I think it was other places. His eyebrows met and his nose was somewhat hooked. He was He was full of friendliness. He appeared like a man, but to me, he looked like an angel. That was the eyewitness of the Apostle Paul. A portrait of courage and boldness. Oh, goodness. We'll stop here. I've got a whole other page, but we'll stop. Come back uh, next, next time. And we'll pick up and then... We'll finish verse 7, and then Easter, we will... Easter's going to be a little bit different, y'all. We're going, to, we're going to be really just centered in on the gospel of peace. Really, if there was ever a Sunday, and I'm going to go back to my guys. They come sometimes, then they fade away. It's my lost friends that I meet at, at the gym. I'm going to go back after them and say, okay, look, come back on Easter. A lot of times people will say... Well, you've been bugging me for a whole year. And Easter still has some kind of sentimental thing in my heart. You know, my grandmom, something back there. Okay, I'll come. And they'll come. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share John 3.16, John 3.17. And Brother Trey, we're gonna, we, we may not even mention an offering that day. We're just going to be very careful. and Because you're like, you know what lost people think? Whoa! No, I go to Easter and the guy stands up there, that nice looking tall guy at the beginning talking about, well, we want your money and here's the way you can give. We may not even do that that day. We just may just get in here and celebrate and praise the Lord. Look, because y'all, you already give. Praise God, you're giving during a pandemic and you're giving during a, I almost said a global flood, forgive me, catastrophic flooding. And I thank you, praise God, you continue to give. It's a miracle, David, it's a miracle that we're continuing to do well. Now, January and February were not pretty, all right? <laughs> They're never pretty. But March just comes around. You pay off the Christmas debt, you know, and then you come around in March. Thank you. God bless you. But Easter Sunday, I'm not talking about money. We're going to make very few announcements. We're just going to say, hey, you guessed. We're so thrilled you're here. Bring them. Bring them. And we'll share the gospel with them. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord again. It's been good to see your face. It's been good to worship collectively and corporately. There's something very sweet and powerful about the presence of God with his people. And so I thank you, Great Hills. My head's bowed. My eyes are closed. I'm about to start praying for you again. 
I pray for you daily. I want you to know that. I, I pray, pray, pray for you and the tons of requests that you give me. I take them every single one very personally, very privately, and I take it to the Lord. It takes me a long time, but hey, if I could preach the word of God to you and pray for you well, then that's, that's what I want to do. Speaking of prayer, praise the Lord. Got to have some dental surgery Tuesday, but if I'm not in too much pain, I'm going to be here Tuesday night, and I want to lead you in a prayer meeting. If I'm not here, Brother Ross said, Pastor, I'll step up. And I'll pray. I'll lead the people in prayer. If there's any possible way that I can physically be present on Tuesday, I make a commitment to you, Great Hills Baptist Church, that I will be here. And I will be praying, praying, praying for you and so many requests. We have hundreds of people joining our prayer meeting. Now, we got about 20 here in the sanctuary, but we'll have hundreds of people all over the country. It is the most amazing thing, perhaps one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my ministry. As people from all over the nation are asking us to pray for them. So I'm going to ask you, if you can't come Tuesday night, uh, maybe tune us in online. Just spend a few minutes in that prayer meeting with us. It lasts about an hour. And it's, it's, it's not real flashy. It's a couple of songs, but it's a lot of praying and we're praying for God to send revival to our church. We're praying to God to save people. We're going to be praying for all the ministries that we support. We're going to be praying for Easter. So we're going to be praying. I invite you to come. Well, what, what difference does prayer make? <laughs> Makes all the difference in the world. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, man, I need prayer. I tell you what, Pastor, this pandemic has eaten my lunch. It's hurt my marriage. It's just, it's just brought out the, the beast in me. I'm telling you, I've never seen so much pressure, so much stress at work. I hear you up there preaching the gospel, and I know I need to do a better job sharing with people. Preacher, how in the world can I share when I'm just so, so desperate myself? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because almost every one of you would raise your hand. I've never seen spiritual warfare like I've seen. I've never seen the enemy so opposed to a church like Great Hills that is committed to expositional preaching and a lot of praying. So don't raise your hand. I already know your answer. So I'm praying for you for a miracle of God. Can I just pray that God gives you staying power? Would y'all give me that privilege to pray that you would stay with the Lord with your spouse? Could I even pray that you'd stay with your church? We've had people say, well, during the pandemic, I got to listen to a lot of pastors and I'm, I'm not coming back to Great Hills. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over here now. Well, that encouraged me. I tell you, I just, that just encouraged me to no end. You say, no, it didn't hurt you, didn't it? It did. It hurt. So look, we, we've all been hurt. We've all been struggling and dealing with, with stuff, Right? So can I, Father, can I just ask you in Jesus' name to give the powerful Holy Spirit of perseverance upon our people? Maybe, Jeff, y'all just come up. Maybe somebody can play a song or something while I'm while just a chord or something. Can I say, Holy Spirit of God, would you give our brothers and our sisters some staying power with their spouse, with their faith, with their kids, and with their church?
God bless you that are watching online. I'm not hyperbole. I'm, if anything, I'm being way, way conservative. There's probably more like 1,500 of you people watching us online for at least 30 minutes. And that's, that's wonderful. We thank God for you. We're praying for you. We're praying that the Lord would bless you, that he would, he would infuse you with the Holy Spirit so that he will make you a bold proclaimer of the gospel. Father, we love you. We need you, Lord. We're trusting you. And we're asking you, God, to do what only you can do. Would you minister to your people right now, Lord? Would you encourage us, me, encourage your people? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's sing a song to the Lord. Let's do that. Would you go ahead and stand with me? Jeff, y'all come on and let's, let's sing to the Lord.